Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Well, all right. <laughs> I think one of the moms down here said we need to do this every Sunday. I said no. All right. Kidding. That was fantastic. It was great to have them all up here at the same time. That was a lot of fun. All right, so we just ended uh, a seven-week series called Go Local. Uh, And I'm having a hard time letting it go, and the truth is we, in many ways, don't want to let the application and the theme and the mission of the Go Local, we don't want to let it go completely. And so even though the series is over, The aim of it and the application of it across the board in our church right now, um, we're still looking at it. We're still meeting in groups, our life groups. We have special groups going on just for this that will be meeting all the way into December. So no matter what you're a part of in the life of this church, Go Local is going to stay a theme in all of those settings uh, because we... We want to continue to pray and strategize and think about what it means to bring Christ effectively into our everyday, ordinary lives so that we can impact the people that uh, we interact with every day. Uh, We want it to stay on the forefront of our minds. And I keep hearing stories. Many of you are already, right now, because of that series, are living your lives a little bit differently because you're either more in tune to the opportunities God puts right in your lap, or you're even willing to create an opportunity where there might not be one. And that's how we're supposed to be living every day. That's a challenge to live like that. But the stories that I'm hearing from you are great. And this week, I got another one. A fella sent me a text strand, a stream or whatever. Uh, and it, it was, hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta read this. He has a friend in his life, about forty years old. Uh, doesn't want anything to do with God. Doesn't want the Bible in his life. Doesn't want church in his life. Uh, but this has been for years. And then this week, something, or not just this week, but over the last year has been really tough for him. And so this week especially, he has been feeling like God's trying to get his attention. And so he says to Chris, the fellow here at, at our church, he goes, he, he, he just starts, he sent me the thing. And as I'm reading, I'm going, wow, I'm seeing this guy's eyes just begin to open a little bit. And then I see Chris is like, uh-oh, here we go, here we go. And he literally has a text where he goes, I stopped right here after this particular line, and I I gave myself about 20 minutes to figure out how to respond. And so over that 20 minutes, he's responding. Now, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, I'm about to read what he said, and I'm going, don't screw this up, Chris, don't screw it up. So I'm reading it, and literally it was the, just, it was literally perfect what he said back to his friend. The things that he highlighted, things that he said at the end, the invitation, you know, just 
to talk anytime. And then I saw him today, and he said, we got, yeah, I've got, um, I got a follow-up conversation coming. And I just, this is incredible. It was so powerful. Um, I had a conversation like that just a week and a half ago. And, um, and I really consider it was tearful on both sides. And perhaps the most uh, eternally weighted conversation I've had in, in a decade. That's how powerful it was. And uh, when you have those kind of conversations, you get sort of on the brink of eternity almost with someone. It changes the complexion of your spiritual life, what you wake up for every day. It changes the focus. It brings technicolor to your spiritual life. I was standing out here last week with a fella. And we were just standing right by the doors greeting people. And he said, I said, how's it going? Great. He goes, I'm waiting for someone. I go, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, I, got, I invited somebody to church just a couple days ago. He told me the story of how, the, how they met so randomly and how the conversation just sped up faster than he could get it and then an invitation. And the guy said yes. And so last week, we're standing at the door together waiting for this guy to come in. I said, describe him to me. He described him. And I said, now we're both looking. And we just sat there and had a conversation. And all of a sudden, it's amazing what doesn't matter to you anymore in that moment. It's amazing the little petty things about church that go away. The intensity level, your senses, your spiritual senses heighten as a result of it. Anytime you're on the brink of eternity, it just changes. And I'm what we're hoping here in our church is that you get to have a couple of those. You need to ask God for a couple of those brink of eternity conversations because they'll change the way you, they'll change your life. Reorient you in a moment when eternity is at stake. Well, that leads me into what we need to talk about today, which is our sort of our legacy campaign. In case you're new to Hillside, or maybe you've started coming over the last six months. We've been in a building campaign, something we've been planning for about two years. We have a master plan for the property, what we want to see happen here in every way, at every level of this church over the next five years. Uh, and in two years, we don't, we don't want to have, uh, or central to it is our kids, and we don't want to have them uh, parents walking their kids to portables anymore. I mean, the kids that just left this stage are still en route to their classes. All right? And we, you know, uh, we don't want that to happen anymore. We're trying to get those kids in those portables in this building, and we want the right spaces to train them in. Uh, which, just for your information, that space and what it looks like to train them changes almost annually. And our children's ministry is keeping up the speed with that. So we consider legacy our investment in the future. Because those kids, believe it or not, right here, the kids you saw here, there are folks 
in this church right now, we have some on staff that were in the youth ministry when I was a youth pastor 30 years ago. We have congregants who were in that group 30 years ago. Pretty soon, they become the leaders. You're looking up here, and it's a, it's a little scary right now, okay? But you look at those kids, many of them will be leaders here in a, in a moment. And so we want to invest in them, and that's what we're doing, and we want to be ready. We also want to keep up with the community and the speed of our culture at the same time. It's going to be a four-lane road out here pretty soon. Traffic will increase even more since they put in the circle. Um, So we want to be ready for that. I told you when we started Legacy and our campaign roughly six months ago in March, Erwin McManus, pastor in California, said this about the future. It's coming whether you like it or not. You can fight it or you can fight for it. And then he added, most churches walk backwards into the future. That was an image that never left me. And I understand why. Because the future's scary. It's tough to plan. you got to call an entire congregation. you got to help them see a picture in the future. you got to sacrifice for it. Because that's what the future essentially means. Making sacrifices now to make it happen. That's hard. It's much preferable, much more preferable to hold on to some things you love about what you have now, about past, and then to shy away from the challenges that lie ahead. It's just easier to live in the present. But we spent a lot of time in Joshua looking at the children of Israel who had that same mindset and wandered around in a wilderness for 40 years, never ever going to places God wanted them to go. And there's a great haunting, haunting text in Numbers where God looks at the children of Israel and literally says this, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Okay, that what you want? Then you'll die here. You'll die here. And we, (laughs) one commentator actually predicted or sort of estimated how many funerals over a 40-year period do you think Israel had with all those people dying in it. The average is about 135 funerals a day. Can you imagine the eulogies? Here's Fred. Good Jewish name, Fred. Here's Fred. Nobody dared less than Fred. Fred was the best circle walker in all the land. Um, I jotted down, (laughs) virtually a risk-free life. And that's horrible eulogies. People literally with living for nothing. And what was so interesting to me about it is, it wasn't a great life. If you look at their wilderness life, it was actually a very horrible kind of existence. But they had gotten comfortable with it. And for them, even though it was hard, what seemed harder was what lied ahead. The future seemed so scary to them that they were willing to walk around in the desert all the time and just die right there. Not on a hill, on nothing. 
just in the desert, having gone nowhere. And that's why we all attached ourselves to something really important in Joshua chapter 1. Where God says to the children of Israel, okay, that's enough. Every place the sole of your feet will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. This was God's way of saying, get your feet moving. Step into the raging Jordan River and do something. And if you move, I'll move. So God said, if you want to hang out here on this side of the river and do nothing, die, that's fine. But if you move, I'll move. And that's what happens. They get their feet wet. And that becomes the imagery for Joshua's chapter one, two, Joshua chapter 1, 2, and 3. Step into the waters. Remember, when they step in the waters, the waters stand up. And they all get through there. But everybody had to cross. Everybody had to go. No one left behind. Even if the land you were to receive, you'd already been given on the other side of the river. You know, you didn't have to cross the river to get your land. God said, you're going to. It was a show of unity. Everybody's going to go. And here was the thing. Nobody's going to act. Nobody's just going to drift along. I don't know how I got here, but here I stand in the middle of the river. It's going to take a decision, a defining kind of moment. And because uh, that's what the set feet means in the Old Testament. When you set your feet somewhere, it was conquest imagery. You're accomplishing something. Well, the next 10 years around this church, we think are going to be incredibly fruitful. And we want to be ready for it. And so as a church, we've stepped into it. We've stepped into this legacy campaign. We, are, we have officially stepped into the future. Six months ago, this congregation promised... $4.4 million. 25% of it in six months has already come in. We're, up, we're waist high in water. We're not turning back. This is where we're headed. We've got obstacles. It's not easy. Uh, but, but we're going. And so if you're just joining us, uh, and you see a future here at Hillside? You've been coming, in, maybe this is your first Sunday. I met somebody in the first service, it was their first Sunday. I met somebody who just come a couple months. You see your future here? Well, then we want you to see the future with us and step into the water and, and get moving with us. We haven't reached our financial goal yet. And so if you can help us, if you haven't promised we're hoping that you are challenged today to step in there with us. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a window into why. Because it's not about buildings. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a man in our church gave his life to Christ. And part of the story you've heard, because you've heard the story of his wife a little, that'll be familiar to, it, to you. But I want you to watch this video because uh, I, I think you'll, it'll, it'll help you think about our future. Watch. I'm Thomas Patterson. This is my wife, Cinnamon Patterson. Yeah. Um, I started coming to Hillside. It was two years ago. 
when my daughter was 18 months old. And gosh, for about two years, it was just me and the kids coming by ourselves. I, I got to know the church through mops and I decided to to bring my kids in on it and as I was growing in Christ I wanted them to grow in Christ as well. And as my relationship got closer with God I could see how important it was for their relationship to get that and I knew that the people here in the children's ministry and the parents and the staff loved my kids as much as I did. Through MOPS and through that journey I got baptized and um, that has been amazing and at that baptism, my husband really saw what a church community was because he came for it. So it was at Cinnamon's baptism when I finally realized that I had been running from God and um, that it was only, wasn't only affecting me, but it was also affecting my whole family and that I wasn't there to support them. And knowing that one little thing I could do would be just to come with them and and, and I made that decision, and as I did, I started, my heart started to open, and I started to become uh, more, more aware, and I saw God in everything, and I gave my life to Jesus, and, and here we are. And that transition really did open our home, and it opened all of us up going to church and coming here to Hillside, and we've been doing it ever since, not... Um, for the sake of going, but because we want our lives to be better and to be in Christ. Something even as simple as our daughter requesting that we pray at the table. And initially, you know, it was something that I felt like he did to uh, appease us, but now he's the one leading the prayers. It's really cool. The children ministry at Hillside has made a huge impact on that, not just with the application, but with everything that they're teaching her there. We can get in the car afterwards and say, what did you learn about today? And she can just prattle off so many things that I didn't know growing up, and I've learned through her, and we've both learned through her, and it's been one of those things where we can go home and say, okay, well, you learned about Esther today. Let's look more into that. And we can look it up in our family Bible, and we can look it up on YouTube and find different stories and things there. And it all started with the children's ministry doing something as simple as putting a handprint on a piece of paper with a script. <laughs> well, legacy and how the church and what this project means to me is that as my children, who already are difficult in their own ways. As they become teenagers, preteens, maybe they get into life situations where they don't feel comfortable coming to us about something because that's normal. That they have a church and a place that they have felt safe in since they were infants. And it means that you know, whenever they're old enough to have kids, that their kids are gonna have a cool place to come to as well. And it's more than just us now. It's a foundation for them for the future. Step off on and, and live the, left, the rest of their lives by. Literally the legacy of it.
You just think about what's happening in that family right now. Because she was bringing those kids to church by herself. She, he comes to the baptism and now, now look what's happened. He's given his life to Christ. That whole family's different. She puts out videos of her training her daughter at night, what they, what they teach her. And she's memorizing things. It's the cutest thing in the whole world. This little child learning at night before she goes to bed. And she's memorizing things. It's, a, it's just absolutely adorable. And then they told us a story this past week that uh, they have a friend who's Hindu who came over to their house and visited. He had never been there. And when he came in the door, she was very curious about it and asked him about Hinduism. And this poor guy, unexpected, but he, he explains Hinduism to her. And then when it's over, she says, she grabs him by the hand and brings him over to the living room. And she says, all right, now sit down. I want to tell you about my God. And this little girl proceeds to explain to him what Jesus has done for him. Is that incredible or what? None of you would have done that. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, me either. Anyway, just an incredible story. Uh, so the next five years here at Hillside are very vivid in my head what could happen. Very fruitful and exciting times ahead of us. And Joshua just says this to the people. This is, this is his sort of phrase. Be strong and courageous. Or you'll never get there. Or you'll wander. It's either strong and courageous, step into a future that's a little unknown and you don't know necessarily everything that's going to happen on the other side. Step into it. Or just wander around. I don't want us to do that. I don't, does anyone in this church want to walk backwards into the future? Moonwalk? I don't want to do that. So right now, uh, we have some exciting things to share with you. Jason is our children's pastor. Uh, he is going to come up and he's going to show you some of the plans that have changed since we started Legacy. Gotten better. And then Matt is going to come. He's our executive pastor. He's going to come and just share you a little bit about where we are financially in this thing at the very end so that you can see where we are, where we need to be, and where we're headed. All right? So Jason... Yeah, before I jump into the details, Pete, I, I want to tell a couple other stories, if you don't yeah, mind. Go. Because, you know, there's all kinds of stories uh, in the children's ministry about uh, kids' lives that are being impacted and families are being impacted. I think about uh, a Facebook post that we saw recently. On Wednesday nights, we challenged the kids to give money uh, in the offering that goes towards our ministry partnership in Honduras. And on Sunday morning as well, but we focus on it on Wednesday nights. And uh, we had a family that posted a, a Facebook post for they've got three kiddos in our ministry and uh, they wanted to raise money. And so these kids are selling pumpkin spice cookies in the neighborhood and raising money to send down to our friends in Honduras. Uh, and their lives are being impacted by that kind of calling, that kind of challenge. Um, I think of another family, um, a young man who was part of our Kids Hope mentoring program over at Freedom Elementary that we've had for years. He was in that program for about four years. And he has given his life to Christ as part of attending this church now. And he's going to be baptized here in a couple of weeks. Uh, and so his life and his family's life is eternally changed because of that. Um, I hear stories all the time about kids that want to come up to me on Sunday morning and say, hey, Pastor Jason, I have something to tell you. And I'll say, okay, what's up, buddy? Tell me about it. And they'll say, I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart last night. Or I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart last week or last month. And those are awesome stories. And we get to lead them through the process of what it means to be baptized and what it means to live eternally 
now, and those kids are starting from such a young age, and that's awesome. And then another story uh, that happened recently, a, a family whose only connection with the church uh, and only connection with God was through children's ministry. Uh, it's a family who was invited, a young man, single, uh, only child, who was invited to come to church by a buddy of his. He came off and on over the years, but he was faithful in coming to kids camp because it was a great opportunity for him. So for the, all the years that he was eligible for kids camp, he was there every year for that full week of camp and not only heard about the gospel, but found out that there were people that loved him and that cared for him. And there was a place he could go in those tough times. Well, his mom ended up getting cancer. And when she passed away, they didn't know where to turn but to Hillside. And, and they didn't know anybody but the children's pastors. And so they asked Pastor Anthony and I to come over and we talked with them and we prayed with them. And then I did the funeral service for his mom. But they wouldn't even come into a church building. They were so church, unchurched and had been burned by churches in the past. They wouldn't set foot in the doors of a building. And so we did the service in a home. But their only connection to God, their only connection to church was through the children's ministry. And so now they at least know that somebody loves them and is here during their times of trouble and can point them back towards Christ. Those kinds of stories happen all the time in our children's ministry. And so that's why we want to keep it going. We want to keep moving into the future. And so uh, right now, we're going to get in our Wayback Machine. So everybody put your hands up. Everybody wiggle your fingers. Okay, and you know the Wayback Machine makes a sound like this. Okay, so we're going to go back about 12 years to 2006, okay? All right, everybody, let's go. Ready? Wow, hey, good job. It must have done a good job. I got the sound effects and the lights and everything. All right, so take a look at this picture. So back in 2006, we put together a master plan that would help us as we were preparing for our future. This was before the main building was built. So this is the main sanctuary you sit now. This was a, a first floor. Uh, I think this was actually a second floor here. And then the next picture shows the first floor. And so now this building is built, but we never built that building there. That was a future phase. But that was to accommodate all of the children, all of the children's ministry, all of the kids would be in there, as well as office space, okay? So we had a plan for that way back then. Uh, well, then, of course, you know, we haven't built that, and a lot of it was because of the 2008 dip in finances and the economy and all that good stuff, um, and so we didn't do that, but we continued to plan. We continued to see where God was going, so let's get back in our way back machine. This time, we're going forward. Everybody ready? Okay, so we go forward 10 years, and now it's July 2016, so it was time to rethink it a little bit. We were starting to prepare for the next phase of what was God was going to do here, and so now, in a three-phase approach, on the back side of this property here, that you see phase one, phase two, and phase three there, we were going to accomplish that. We were going to put all of the children, uh, babies through sixth grade, and all of our offices in three different phases. We are going to have to build that. A lot of square footage back on this property here, but we were planning to build that to accomplish all those needs, okay? So that's July 2016. Now, we don't need the Wayback Machine because we're going for just very few months now, here is what you probably remember seeing as we did the legacy um, campaign as we launched into, where this wing right here, our future children's building, um, that wing right there, the plan for that was to put babies through first graders, just babies through first graders. So when we raised money for the five, when we, you know, shot towards that $5 million goal, it was going to put babies through first graders, no offices, and then we would still have children in this wing, we would still have children here. So the kids were still going to be spread out, but that's what we were moving towards. We did have a phase two plan in mind with that, and that was for our offices. So you see that right here. 
So we had phase two where offices came in and a footprint designed on this part of the, the um, property right down here where there's a parking lot. So we could put offices in there and then we would have a place for all of our kids and our offices, but our kids would still be spread out over the course of this campus in various places. So um, we, we started to put all that together. Well, as you know, we haven't broken ground on that yet. And the reason for that, as Pete mentioned, we didn't quite reach our full goal financially. And when we started to dig into the details with contractors of the cost, they, were, they told us how expensive it is to move all of the dirt on the back part of that property to, to put a building there. They said, you know, if you could move it to a flat space, you could save a lot of money. You can accomplish quite a bit more. And so what we did... Um, is we had kind of an opportune time where that information came up after the campaign where we raised the funding. That information came up, and it was time for us to take a pause. And so over the summer, we've processed all of that information. We've taken a pause. We've talked to architects and contractors again. We've met with the elders. We've prayed through the best plan. And so what I want to show you now is what came out of that pause. And so now our plan is to put a two-story children's building on that part of the property where we were going to put an office wing. And because of some efficiencies and things that we don't need, we don't need extra, as many bathrooms because of the location. We don't need as, as much workroom space or as much lobby space because of the location. Because of some of those things, this building now in two stories that we plan to build in two phases will be able to house all of the babies through sixth graders all of the babies through sixth graders in one wing. It will allow us to do all of our Wednesday morning women's ministries in one wing, which includes that mops ministry that you heard Cinnamon mention. And all of the childcare can happen in the same location where the moms are in their Bible studies. And it allows us to accommodate our Wednesday night programming, which this semester is the biggest we've ever had and accomplishing amazing things in kids' and families' lives. And this wing accomplishes all of that in this one wing in two stories. And what that frees up is this wing right here, which is where kids currently are and where we intended to put elementary kids. This wing right here is now available for offices. So in less square footage, in fewer phases, less cost, we can accomplish everything we've wanted to accomplish in all of the master plans that we've had over the course of the last 12 years. So we're very excited about that, and I wasn't um, shooting for a Steve Jobs applause moment there, but that's awesome that you guys are excited about it too. Um, let me show you the two floor plans very briefly. We have the first floor right there, which uh, I love this. Um, it, this accommodates kindergarten and first grade, babies, preschool right here, and our special needs ministry, our gyms ministry for children with special needs, all on the first floor, including an indoor playscape area. That's all on the first floor. And then the second floor puts all of our second graders through sixth graders, um, and that accommodates very, very well our women's ministry things on Wednesdays as well as our Wednesday night programming. So we can accomplish all of that in that one wing. Now, I could dig into details here, but we're not, we don't have time to do that. For the, next, for the rest of this month, including today, um, Matt and I uh, and some staff are going to be out at the Legacy Wall, and we'll be happy to answer any questions you have about that. So come out and meet with us. We'll talk through details. We can do Q&A there um, when we go out to that part. But what I wanted you to see by taking you on this journey, here you go. Let's look at this right quick before I do that. So this is kind of some 
some current as well as you see the future and that wing that's up there. So here's kind of that look there. We've got the playground and that will go away in this new phase and be relocated to the backside of the property. You can see the playground right here on the outdoor playground. So we have an outdoor and an indoor playground in the new plans, which will be awesome, especially on days like today where it rains. Um, and so then, of course, this building will get some, some new um, uh, facade and all of that so it can look even better than it does now and, and present very well to those who drive onto our property. Um, the entrance here will, will become e even more of a main entrance. There's that entrance right there. Even more of a main entrance with a playscape right next to it that's visible through those awesome walls. And so here's what, what I love about this little journey that we went on through the Wayback Machine, is you can see that over the course of the last decade or so, God has changed and worked on the master plan of this property so that it's as effective and as efficient as possible when we do finally get to break ground and build this thing very soon here. But our children's ministry uh, has not stayed stagnant either. So we didn't stick with one plan and then not... Um, move on from that. And the reason for that is because as you see in culture these days, the needs of children continue to change. I get a, an email every Sunday morning from my, my sixth grade daughter's um, uh, intermediate school. And the one I got last Sunday morning, I was just flipping through and reading it. And it said that they're doing a class this upcoming week um, on suicide prevention and awareness and mental health. And they're going to do assessments on all the kids in that grade. That is the kind of stress, that is the kind of struggle that our children, our children are going through on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. And so we have to accommodate those needs. And I love the fact that kids learn songs and I love the fact that kids learn verses and their, their heads are being filled with Bible knowledge. That's awesome, that is awesome. But we need to do more than just filling their heads with knowledge. We need to make sure they get it at a heart level. And so some of the changes that we constantly update and make in our children's ministry are to make sure that our children know who they are in Christ. Just yesterday morning for fifth and sixth grade families, we had a, a little conference, a little mini conference on identity. And we're talking a lot about that on Wednesday nights, reminding our kids that they matter. They have value. They have worth. And they have a future that can be filled with hope and not despair. That's what our kids need, and that's what we're making sure we do. And I believe that this plan will take us into the future so we can do that as effectively as possible. I want you to hear one more story from uh, Scott Stepter. Scott's going to come up, and Scott's involved in a lot of places of our ministry. He, he leads the puppet show where the little bitty kids were learning that song that they sang this morning. He's also a um, life group leader in our kids' life program on Wednesday night with a group of elementary-age boys. And Scott's an assistant principal um, at a local high school. And so he gets it from every level, every age group, and understands those social-emotional needs that kids are struggling with. And he has seen some of the things that we're doing in our children's ministry, and he gets why it's so important and sees the value in it. But not just that, his children also have recently, as a matter of fact, as recently as Monday, he texted Anthony and I and he said, hey, I need to let you know both of my boys gave their lives to Christ this last weekend. And so then now they're ready to be baptized. That's right, absolutely. And so he gets it from every level, professionally, personally, as a leader and as a dad. And I just want you to hear his story about why he's excited about the future. 
Well, thank you for thank you for having me. Um, I just am so thankful for this church. The, we're coming up on six years of being members here at this church, and it started similar to the Patterson story. Uh, my wife attended Mops. We were at another church, but they had an opportunity to hear Jason speak and just talk about, you know, when you're here at Hill, Hillside, here's how we love your kids. And it doesn't matter where they are, like, here's the plan, and here's how we're going to reach your kids throughout um, throughout their teenage years, those most fun years, and all those kinds of things. And um, it just for me, I've seen the evolution and change throughout the last few years. And um, as Jason said, as a high school administrator, I see daily, daily opportunities where kids cannot, um, cannot voice or put words to the pain and suffering that they feel. And in fact, they resort to physically harming themselves because they're just trapped. And so when, when you see the intention of the church to really start reaching our kids spiritually and emotionally and socially, um, I mean, it's just, it's very trend-setting as far as um, leading the way. And that's, uh, again, one of the things that we've always appreciated about the church is, is that we're leading from the front and being intentional. And so when my boys the other night, we were having a conversation and um, we were talking about a friend's mother that passed away uh, and just said, you know, we're really sad and we're going to pray for that family, but she's happy and she's whole in heaven. And the first thing my oldest said was, I want to go there. And I said, I do too, son. And it just, from there, it just started rolling. And, and I think of, it's not anything that I'm particularly doing well. It's not anything that my wife, as amazing as she is, is doing well. It's the opportunities of the people within this church that have loved them well from the time Crawford was three months old to now almost six, that Wednesday nights, Victor has loved him well, and um, Mr. Steve, Soccer Steve, as we lovingly call him, um, you know, loving, loving Griffin well, the chapels, all the different people that have played a role in my boy's life that I'm seeing firsthand that our kids are loved well. And, um, you know, our Wednesday night program, it's the biggest we've ever seen. We're right about 200. Yeah, a little more. And um, with me, I've had my boys for three years now. And it is a huge blessing to me to love on them because I know that their parents are pouring their hearts and souls into them. But they're not going to just get it from their parents. As much as I want my kids to know stuff, they've got to hear it from other people. Yeah. And so I'm just thankful for the opportunities that I have that, I get to love on your kids. I get to take care of them. And um, like I said, just where our church is headed. I'm very, very grateful. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate all you do, man, for our children's ministry and for your family. Scott is a great, great asset to this team. Well, I want to bring Matt up. Matt's going to talk a little bit about the financial end of things, and he'll tell you it's not that exciting. But I'm excited about what we're headed towards in the future. So thank you, Matt. That's right. Yeah. Jason got to share all the exciting stuff. And, uh, but God is doing exciting stuff at Hillside. Uh, you know, we just don't hear those stories uh, very often, uh, but stuff is happening, and it is uh, really great, and uh, praise God for that. So I, I'm up here to talk about the fun stuff, which is where we are financially. And Pete alluded to this a little bit. I got a couple of slides I'm going to show you um, and explain this, and then I'm going to mention that, uh, that I'll be out after this service with Jason over by the Legacy Wall to answer any questions about the building or the finances or anything else, uh, because it is important. We want everybody to understand where we are and where we're going. So first off, 
uh, as Pete mentioned, we raised uh, promises of $4.42 million back in uh, March. Our goal was five, so we didn't quite get there. We have actually received $1.56 million, uh, which is tremendous. We had a, an incredible first fruits offering uh, back in uh, April, I guess it was. And so that means there's $2.86 million remaining of promises that were made but have not yet come in that we expect to come in over the next couple of years. And then, so that's kind of on the financial side or on the, on the, on the receiving side. Now on the, on the expenses side, our current estimate for phase one of the building is $6.49 million. Uh, phase one, because the cost is, is, is so high, we split it into two phases in order to be able to tackle this. Phase one is to, is to build and complete the, well, to build the building, the two-story two building uh, that Jason alluded to, but to not finish out the second floor, which is quite a cost savings. Um, so in, in doing that, uh, it's going to cost $6.49 million to get to that spot. Getting phase one done, though, accomplishes most of the goals that we originally set out uh, to accomplish, the chief among them being that we get rid of all those portables and all the, all the children are inside the building. Uh, the, the babies through first grade will be in the new building on the first floor. Second through fourth grade will be in the existing discovery zone during phase one. Um, so 6.49 million will accomplish that. To accomplish phase two uh, is going to require another around one and a quarter million, maybe one and a half million, something like that. However, as Jason pointed out, that accomplishes uh, so much more than we originally set out to accomplish when we when we started the legacy campaign, we can we can get all the children in in, a, in actually a much better fashion, um, and then we can accomplish the office space, getting the office space that we need uh, at at the same time for a lot less money than we had originally planned for. So this this solution, God has led us to a much better solution to our campus needs here, uh, a much more elegant solution. So all this, the delay, the, the frustration perhaps that I know I felt a little bit, maybe some of you did, uh, on some of the delay has led us to a much better place. So it's exciting to be there. So $6.49 million to cost. We have over $3 million on hand. That's the $1.56 million that we've received from the campaign so far, plus other funds that we already had on hand from prior savings. So we've got over $3 million. If you add to that the $2.86 million that we uh, expect to receive in promises, uh, then that leaves a gap, an apparent gap, I'm going to call it, of $570,000. Now, we do expect to be able to close that gap because of a couple of phenomenon. One, of course, the campaign has got a couple of more years to run. New people are arriving all the time. Uh, some of the folks in this room are, are new and did not perhaps have an opportunity to participate in the legacy campaign the first time around. We certainly expect and invite those people, as, as Pete pointed out, to step into the water and, and take this challenge uh, with us. And, and uh, I know that many people will over the next couple of years. In addition to that, uh, we, have, we have a number of people in the congregation who we know are faithful givers. We absolutely know this, and yet they uh, have chosen they just don't promise. And for whatever reason, that's, that's a phenomenon we've seen over the years. And so we, are, we, we know we will actually receive more money than, than was actually promised. Between those two phenomenon, we expect that this $570,000 gap will be closed. Um, but that... It, it, I guess, so in a sense, it's sort of like, hey, we think we're going to make that. 
but uh, it also means we've got two years. We still have to, to continue to, to work and sacrifice as a group in order to make this happen. But it, it certainly appears as if we will be able to make that happen. So that's, that's kind of where we are. Uh, we're on the precipice of, of uh, we're talking to general contractors. Our, our architect is finalizing some things. We're, in, we're on the precipice of moving kind of to the next phase of the project. And I'd be happy to talk to you some more about that. Again, I'll be at the Legacy Wall along with Jason after the service. I think Pete's going to come back up and wrap up. Okay, so let me put that in the first. Yeah, go ahead, you go ahead and clap because that's pretty amazing. Um, we uh, we want to do this debt-free. So uh, we're, we're on track to get the $4.4 million that we that, were, that was promised. We've got to get that, we've got to make up that other half million to get phase one finished, okay? Because we want to be able to pull the trigger on this and start building by next June. So if we're going to do that, we've got to get money in and get rolling, uh, and it's got to look like we're going to reach that because we're doing it debt-free. So it's got to look like the money is coming in for us to reach that. So just keep it in mind. Hang in there. Keep, uh, keep up your generosity because it's been terrific. We're in good shape in that respect. We just got to make sure it keeps that. We got to trust God for those resources. So if somehow, miraculously, in a, maybe in recent months, you've uh, become extremely wealthy and you have $500,000 literally laying around, this is your moment. Uh, this is your moment, all right? But if not, then we're going to have to figure it out together. So hang in there and keep going. And if you haven't joined us yet, uh, please make a promise or start giving to that legacy. It, it will help a great deal. We're going to need help to do it. So I hope you will. All right, Cody's going to come up and close our service. And as he does, I'll just mention that... Uh, Matt and I and about 14, 13 other people are going to be heading to India tomorrow. And so we're going to see Kirk in that orphanage, and I think Cody's going to pray for that. Yeah, I'd love to trip. pray for them. If anyone is in this room that's going on that trip, could you stand? I know, actually, Lindsay and Brian, they're already on a flight. They're already yeah, headed there. They're already headed. I saw that they yeah. always post on social. So, so there's, yeah, the Matt. Okay, awesome, room. cool. Yeah, here we let, go. Me, let me pray for them. I'm going to say one thing after that, and then uh, Pete will leave, but let's, let's right. pray for them. God, we thank you. Uh, for this day. I'm so excited to think about what you're going to do in and through them and just get to show them how you're already moving um, on the ground in India through Kirk and his incredible ministry for those girls and just the fact that you are saving lives, God, through these hands, through these feet that are doing good work. And God, this is about your son, your gospel, showing him that love and that you are their rescue. And so, Lord, I pray for an incredible incredible safety and protection for this crew going on this trip. Keep them focused on you, trusting in you. Bring them a peace to their heart. And Lord, may you protect them from whatever warfare they see and bring, whether it be spiritual or physical, God. Please protect them and, and, and allow them to be bold for you, God. Allow them to see how incredible you are in, across the world and that you are the same there as you are here and doing great things. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, as Pete leaves, um, I just wanted to give you guys a reminder, just as prayer is important for that trip, that's what legacy needs as well, is prayer. It, we have to have great planners and great leaders and conversations and, and people that can put the numbers together. But if we don't have God in this and we aren't seeking him in this, we, we're missing it. 
And so it's a prayer that hopefully you've already started since the campaign back in the spring started, but we want to remind you. And so we said, what's a fun way to remind you maybe with something that you could take away today and just have with you? And so we said, well, everybody loves coffee or tea, and especially heading into the fall. So on your way out at the doors are little coffee sleeves that go over your tumblers or your mugs or your bottles or whatever. Um, So grab one of those from the ushers uh, at the doors as you leave. And I just want to say this. Um, I'm the creative arts pastor now, but my family has been here since 2002. And we, our first day was actually that building, the metal building in front. And so even as a kid, I, and I'm still a kid, but I, even as a kid, I remember, I don't have kids yet, but I remember as a teenager, those conversations. And I remember the planning and the leadership. And I remember thinking, man, they, they, they know what they're doing. They're seeking God and seeing a bigger picture than what they can look at now. And the fact that I've gotten to go through all of that, and now I get to stand here before you being a part of that, I want you to know, even though I don't have kids yet, and my wife and I are, are hoping for that soon, we're in. And so if you're someone my age or around my age, this isn't just about us now, it's who's coming after us. And I'm, I'm in on that, and I'm ready to give towards that future, and I'm excited to do that with you, Hillside. I'm so excited about that. So that's a reminder for you. Grab one of those on your way out. We love you. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.